welcome back or welcome to another episode of the Success Times Happiness Podcast. I am your host, Richard Thompson, and I am very excited to have our next guest here into Sunshine Studios, Adriano Zumbo, known to be the one of the best pastry chefs in the country. He rose to fame on MasterChef in the first couple of series, and he now is also in a baking competition uh, called Zumbo's Just Desserts and is a judge on Netflix's cooking show, Sugar Rush. He has an amazing story and of, I guess, highs and lows. And so now based on the Sunshine Coast, and I can't wait to sit down with him today to talk to him about what it means for him now and what it meant in the past to be successful and to be happy. So here we go. Adriana Zumbo, welcome to the pod. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Uh, we we're just talking about your morning routine and yeah. uh, it starts early. Starts early, about 4.15, yeah, I wake up. Four o'clock on Saturday. Nothing rather than a shower and then straight to work. Shower and straight to work. Surely, what time is your first coffee? Probably around seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's when the, the front of the house. The yeah. machine's on. and machine's on. I turn the machine on for them. Okay. Yeah. And then they come in and I get a coffee usually after they've set up. Yeah. Amazing you're, you've are you come on here. I really appreciate your time. And I think it, you're a really worthwhile guest because when we spoke, uh, when I first met you um, here on the coast, I was unaware of what you had been through over the last few years and the way that you talked about it and I guess the your emotions that you went through to get to this place, which is amazing to have your own space again and your own place to be creative is awesome, is amazing to get through to that place. And so I would love the opportunity to talk with you or listen to those stories for you we, uh, that you tell me about success and happiness and the trials and tribulations that you have gone through. Because I think, yeah, I mean, there's lots to get through. So take me back growing up, let's say... Yeah, as a as a teenager, yeah, you're in southern New South Wales, oh, central west, central west yeah. near Dubbo, off Dubbo, yeah, yeah. An hour and a half out of Dubbo, yep, a little town called Canim. Yeah, so I grew up there. My parents had the supermarket, local supermarket, and a few other businesses, you know, yep, uh, like a bottle shop and stuff. And um, yeah, so I just grew up there. Siblings, I got two sisters, yep, but they'd both gone. They're both well, one's ten years older than me, one's twelve years older than me, okay, and they'd both gone to boarding school, right? So uh, I'd only see them. At uh, holidays, holidays, or when they come home, or you're otherwise a, uh, otherwise a child. Otherwise, I kind of grew up by myself, really, yeah. right? Until I mean, as a young kid, they were around, but then when they once they went away, yeah, I mean, I was kind of there by myself. So, um, you know, I went to primary school and high school, and pretty much, yeah. You didn't go to boarding school, obviously. No, oh, they wanted they were going to send me to boarding school, but the school they wanted to send me to played rugby union, and I wanted to play rugby league because I was playing league at the time for Canamble, and um, and I was into it. And uh, I said, no, nah, I want to go to Greg's in Campbelltown. Mm -hmm. And they want to send me to Joey's in Hunters Hill because it was close to my sister. Right. So they could easily visit me. And there just so, wasn't a league program. It was, no, they play union. Yeah. Like Joey's is a union school. So, yeah, but Greg's was like one of the top rugby league schools. And I was like, oh, I want to go out there. Yeah. You know, but no, nah, it was just, it just didn't work out. I said, look, I'm just going to stay home in Campbell. Okay. So I went to the local high school, mm -hmm. just kept playing for the local team. And, and um, yeah. Were you thinking the NRL or the ARL at that point? Like full time, I'd as, like. I would like to. You know, yeah. I played rep for Group Fourteen and stuff when I was out there, and yeah. um, you know, but it's hard. It's yeah, it's hard to get to that that rank. You know, you gotta, sure, you got to kind of go to get in someone's eyes, but you never did. Yeah. So then it was like I was in Year Ten, and yeah, it was time to do, do something, do something else. Yeah, do something else. You know, I think I was young. I worked every day after school. 
at the supermarket. At the supermarket, yeah. yeah. I used to have to, uh, some years I used to have to run away, like on the Saturday to go and play a footy. Like <laughs> the where my parents' supermarket was, yeah. literally the footy bus would would, would you catch a footy bus across the road? <laughs> Sometimes I'd leg it at the door, <laughs> at the door when they went out the front, right? And then I'd just disappear. Amazing. And I was on the bus. Once I was on the bus to go was, to go was play. It, or to I go was play. in Ningen or somewhere. Yeah. Well, I was playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But I was in another town, so like Amazing. no one could get me. And then I just deal with it when I got home. <laughs> and how did that go? <laughs> you know. Not well. Yeah, not well. But you know, you just deal with it. Yeah. It's just something you did, you know, like because you wanted to play footy with your mates and and everyone on the team and yeah, yeah. So Better than manning the deli. Yeah. <laughs> the cash register. Yeah, stuff, yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah. So I used to just do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then eventually, like, you know, they kind of come around, but sometimes they always, oh, no, I need you to do this. I'm like, oh, but I've got to go play footy. What was the focus at, at, at home? Was it, was it, how do they, you know, growing up, like in that environment, they're obviously got their own business, mm-hmm. which is quite unique in a lot, a lot of families. Usually it's like employed stuff, employee stuff and working for the man, but they're controlling it a little bit. Yeah. How did you, how was your impressions growing up with business? Oh, yeah. My parents worked hard. Yeah. yeah. I never saw them like a lot, you know. Uh, they were always at the shop, like literally they'd leave at like six in the morning uh, and they'd come home like eight at night. So, you know, it was, that was the day yeah. and I'd be, I'd either hang out at the shop with them after school or go to them with in the morning before school, hang out at the shop. And then I'd go to school from the, from the shop. Mm-hmm. Like I'd walk around because school was, the high school was there for primary school was around the other corner. So it wasn't, they were both kind of central to the, to the main street of Canamble. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was kind of my life. And did you have that relationship with them where they would be? expressly sitting you down and talking about talking to you about things like going achieving success or was it just more them just working hard and being examples of that for you yeah just working hard yeah just work hard you know and then like they wouldn't mean take over the, the family business that was the that, that was, was the goal yeah right yeah express I went, they've, they've said that to you yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. was the goal you know they wouldn't give me the the shop you know and i'd take over it and Keep it going. Stay there, keep it going. And, you know, look, it's one option. It could have been easy money. Yeah. But I just didn't want to, like, I think I needed to go and, and, uh, you wanted to leg it and explore. Off <laughs> <Yeah, like, laughs> on the bus somewhere else. <laughs> At that age, I was just, yeah, I got to go, you know. Yeah. And then once I started, like, baking in store with, in the supermarket, instead of stacking shelves and stuff, I found that more enjoyable. And then I was like, I wanted to look into it a little bit more. The baking. Yeah. That really got you. When I was about 14, yeah, I got into baking just in the, um, they built a shop for my sister probably before that, maybe, you know, but then they had a little in-store bakery in there. Yeah. It wasn't anything flat. Like, it's not like you're making everything from scratch. There's no baker there. It's kind of like just par bake. It'll be like kind of Coles. Coles Willis now. You know, it comes semi-made, you prove it, bake it or whatever. Yeah. You know, this is kind of already done. You thaw it out. But I enjoyed it. That part anyway. You that know, process. And that process or putting the icing on different colors. At that time, I, it gave me a good thing. And I used to take stuff to school and people used to, say how yummy and delicious it was. It gave me a good feeling. Mm. You know what I mean? So like, and when I was at school, I was very, I was I'm one of those people, like if I'm not doing something, I'm not focused. Yeah. Okay. You know, if I'm sitting in class and someone's reading a book or, or she's telling me something, I'm listening, but it's going like straight through. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't hold the information. Yeah. Yeah. So you're wholly engaged with it. Exactly. Unless I'm doing something, figuring it out in my head, yeah. you know, like I'm that person. I'm not the academic person. Yeah. Okay. And I figured, I mean, at that stage, I probably didn't know it, but. Now I look at it, you know, there's like kind of two people. And was there any other way, any other avenue in, in your teenage years that, because obviously you're ridiculously creative, you'd almost call yourself like an artist in a different way. But in, in your teenage years, did you, were there any other avenues of, that you were using your creative spark or was it, that was, that you found that in 
the work you're doing with the with the baking. Yeah, it's founded in that. Yeah, just playing around, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's very raw, rustic when you're young. Sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Kind of like until you learn a little bit more of a skill that you can adapt it to. Your, your brain starts thinking and um, yeah, so forth. But yeah, like most classes, I was just not there. You know, yeah. I was there, but I was you know I only did well in things I enjoyed, like uh, geography. You know, because I want to travel, or I, tr I did travel a bit with my parents back to Italy and stuff. So I got to explore. And I used to play a computer game called Carmen San Diego. Loved that game. <laughs> yes, and the show that it was on there as well taught me all about the world. Do you know what I mean? Like traveling, trying to chase her to catch her. Then her in the world is Carmen San Diego, and then I learned all about you know major cities, what where this was, and blah, blah. so I did really well in geography. Yeah, in that for that sense, you know, because I was engaged in something else that I liked, but it, it took something across into that subject. Yeah, sure. It made it easier to learn. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think that's whereas, something, whereas like sitting there, like listen to someone tell me a, or something, oh, like history or no point, no point. There's no, like, just, no engagement. Do you know what I mean? Like it's not, I'd need to visually get uh, immersed in it to like be able to understand, like to get it more out of it. Yeah. But sitting in a room, someone telling me and or reading it in a book, like just doesn't. Your parents were fine with that? Like they're just like, that's just Adriano. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was, yeah. I think they just dealt with it. They just, as long as I just come and work. And took over the shop or something. <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't really care. They obviously didn't want me to be, uh, to waste school, but like, you know, I didn't waste it, but like I wasn't, yeah, probably yeah. 100% yeah. most of the times. At what point were you, did you go, okay, school's, that sort of academic side is not going to be my future, but I want to go and learn more about the craft. So. Yeah, it was year 10 and I left school. Yeah. Back then you could leave and you, I don't know if you still can, but year 10 you could get work leave. Yeah. As long as you had a job and you took it to the principal. He'd sign you off. So I did my school certificate. Next day, I went to the principal and got you know, work leave. Yep. Well, I'm sorry. To backtrack a bit, I, was, I went to Sydney for a school formal with my friends. And then while I was there, I went for a job interview, got an apprenticeship. Where was uh, that at? Uh, Dobinson's Cakes, it was okay. called. Yeah, in, in um, uh, they had shops in um, Rose Bay, Double Bay in the city okay. at the time. So that's where I kind of started. But the kitchen was in Darlinghurst, in the back streets of Darlinghurst. Right. Near William Street, you know, it's like it was pretty rocky place to start rough. from the rough from the from the country in your first jobs starting at midnight <laughs> in, that, in that environment. <laughs> in that environment, yeah. So I was lucky I had a great sister; she used to drop me off. So, um, uh, so I didn't have to like catch public transport. I was only fifteen, so yeah. Um, yeah. To but then you kind of get used to the atmosphere, and you'd be more you confident. Start cooking, yeah. Start catching the bus and stuff, yeah, and whatnot. But so yeah, so then I got I got that job, and then I said, and then my sister said, you know, you can live with like her because she's older than me anyway she she had a job and she was so i went back home told my parents you know weren't i mean obviously weren't that happy but you know they let me go huh. you know, i think only because it was my older sister that was there that was there so i think they've you know, some thought, family there yeah and she was old enough you know 12 years older than me so she was like 27 at that time probably yeah. 28 when you're making that decision is your desire is just to it's focused on just being better at the craft like you, you just escape i think it was escape okay yeah i think it was just to get away for a you know, change. you know that that interests you. That did interest me, but I knew I was too taking a risk to start an apprenticeship because sure. I didn't know did I, would I last. You know, would I still be interested in it once I started to actually work in a real job? But yeah, I loved it. You know, six months in, I was like, oh, "This is cool." You know, I really enjoyed the the creativity. People I worked with were pretty cool. Um, I mean, the hours weren't great, but at that stage, I was pretty young still, so it didn't bother me. Like, you know, still got lots of energy and. Hmm. And uh, that sort of stuff doesn't really. Eighty hours a week, four dollars an hour is fine. It was, you know, yeah, it's like one hundred eighty-eight dollars a week. <laughs> yeah, first year apprentice, you take home one hundred eighty-eight bucks a week. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's different now. It's like two hundred eighty-eight a week. No, it's like they they get over seven hundred bucks. Yeah, right. First year apprentice now. 
so it's it's completely different, you know, because because of the government's incentivize it so much to try and keep apprentices in the industry. Sure. Because I mean, if you're not living at home on that wage or with somebody in your family, you can't live. You know what I mean? So I think they've kind of tried to balance it out to try and make it more fair and and to keep people um, in the job. So you know, which makes sense. And I read somewhere that you had some really good mentors in that early stage. You had a good boss. Was that luck more than anything else? Yeah, it's luck. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, come across the right kind of people to work with and bosses, and it made it more enjoyable. And you know, when it's more enjoyable, you stay in the job. Yeah, I mean, it's always going to be hard, right? You know, food's hard. to it's a, a repetitive job that needs consistency, and uh, and people eat it. You know, and they can if they don't like it. They tell you straight away. I'll tell you straight away. So like, if you, even if you're working with someone, you know, if you're not doing the best job for them, like it comes back to the team anyway. So it's like, you always got to be on it and sort of focused and doing your best and pushing hard. And, um, yeah, but it's, it's good to have, I found them funny people, you know, good, like, I don't know, they're just people you click with. It's a different, it's not so it's serious, but it's not super serious. It's still like, there's still a, there's a crack in the, in the, in the air, you know, where they can, you know, I used to, you know, people used to throw mud cakes at me and, you know, stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> but you knew it was just out of humor. You know, like, yeah. it doesn't like someone picking on you or building. Sure. It's just like, you're just working away and this mud cake goes bang onto the wall, just passes your head. <laughs> Going through the apprenticeship. Yep. Did you spend any time in regular kitchens or is it all just patisserie, all just sweets and cakes? and yep. all, all sweets and cakes. I did spend time in normal kitchen, but not working in that area. I worked as in the desserts. Oh, and sure. So I worked in some restaurants. Yeah. In my apprenticeship. Yeah. Uh, but in the dessert but section. In desserts. And in desserts, sometimes you've got to do salads. Oh, true. Yeah, because larder and dessert sometimes can be connected. Right. So that section, you know, salads and desserts, sometimes you have to just, depending on the restaurant, you might have to chip in and make some salad. Put a few lettuce leaves together. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Chuck it on a plate. Do you find that, I have found in that, comparing yourself uh, to a chef in a normal, in a, in a regular operating kitchen, to be the same, cut off the same cloth, or do you think it takes a certain type of individual when it comes to like the precision and repetition well, I think it's the same in that sense, but I think desserts is a bit more um, detailed. Okay. Yeah, in the sense of like you know the the scaling of ingredients, the the difference in the balance of ingredients. When you're cooking vegetables and protein, still a lot of skill involved. Yeah. But it's, it's there's a little bit more give, give. You know, you can chuck, you know add a little bit of this season of bring it back or whatever. Uh, with desserts, usually there's not too far. Yeah, and there's no gelatin, or there's not enough gelatin. It's not going to set. You know, what I mean, it's, it's gone. Or if something is in the in the cake, too much baking powder, not baking powder, whatever it is, you know, what I mean, it's it's going to just flunk and collapse. And most of it, most of it will go in the bin. Yeah, it's not something you can go. Oh, I'm going to try and rectify it. Rectify it because it's already done. It's cooked. It's done. And in your apprenticeship, is that the time that you felt like you were you encouraged, or did you? Were you pushing those boundaries on the on the process side? Were you like going, okay, what happens if I do add more gelatin or um or is probably it probably in my later days, early days, all I was doing was racing the other apprentice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I would always just try and beat him. Yeah. Follow the recipe. Follow the, do what I'm doing. Do, do what you're told. To when do. I first started, I was doing cupcakes and all that kind of stuff. And there was two of us, me and another apprentice, and we'd have a hundred cupcakes each in a big tray and we'd just sit there on the ice thing and we'd just go, you know. Just go head to head, you know. And is he involved in this game as well? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> just go head to head and just yeah. try and beat him. And then the loser gets a mud cake to the. <laughs> 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 yeah. 
But yeah, so in your head, you're always like those little things, like always trying to do something better, compete faster, competing. It was very competitive. You're learning, yes, but like, and you always practice. After work, I'd stay back and play around with some airbrush stuff and like back then in those days. But as you kind of get more into it, you start to learn about textures, quality ingredients, you know, how to play with them a little bit. But that's probably a little bit later, mm. a little bit later on, you know. It's funny because you, we dismissed the the education part of schooling but almost daily now you're playing with math chemistry physics oh totally in everything that you're doing but it's a different way of learning it totally you know yeah, what i mean yeah. so it's like yeah it's not the it's not the if they if they taught it in the way of for you then you'd be you'd be all oh, over it i'll be all over it yeah yeah i'll be there so i think everyone has a different way to to absorb to information sure. you know what i mean so i think there's something like the education that I mean, I think over the years they probably will pick up on it and see that like some kids that are interested in different things. It could be very good at physics, but not in the way you teach it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And the things that you're doing with it doesn't interest them. Are you staying in the same place with your apprenticeship or are you moving around a bit? I'm moving around a bit. So I stayed in that place for about one and a half years. Yeah. The first job, Dobinson's. Uh, where did I go after that? I went to a place called George's Restaurant for a little bit. Uh, it was a double way. And then I went to Walkpool Restaurant, which was uh, one yeah. of Neil Perry's. Back then, um, which was a really good job. I worked there for about a year and a half as well. Yeah. Uh, really good boss, really good uh, training. And that, that was kind of where I opened my eyes up to better ingredients. So my first job was a bit more bakery style, um, kind of Aussie bakery slash. The owners were kind of Hungarian, so they had a little bit of European products in there, so learning that. And then I went to that restaurant side where we were doing uh, kind of like catering desserts and restaurant desserts, but also doing desserts for the restaurant downstairs, which was Wokpool, which was kind of like an Asian version of Rockpool. So, um, at the time. And that, so that was kind of fun learning about all those different flavors and fruits and, um, you know, ways of using like, you know, tapioca and rice and stuff in desserts and, you know, like all those things that I didn't really know much about sure. coming from where I came from. Um, so that really opened me up to all those kind of, uh, really yummy and exciting Different ways. different ways. And then kind of, yeah, you start thinking different. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, then, yeah, then I stayed there and then I left there and I went to a place called Victoire, which is a sour, French sourdough bakery. And I was doing the pastry stuff there, not the bread. And I stayed there for about five years, I think. Yeah. So I, I ended up being in charge, yeah, because in my last year of apprenticeship, I was there. I went there and then the boss, like my pastry, it was only me and him at the time. And then he left and I was just covering and then they never got anyone. Right. And we got just got someone that went under me after that. So. Sure. And then I just stayed there for five so years of running. So that French, kind of French, French patisseries. Yeah. So they being there and with the boss, she kind of gave me that freedom to to kind of make pretty much what I wanted. I, you know, I, she had her staple stuff. I just had to do that, and then anything else, I could do whatever I wanted. So it gave me the challenge to start to look how to push myself and grow myself without having a mentor in front of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I was only 19 at that stage. And, yeah. uh, so it was like, yeah, you know, I, I, I got in there and dug deep, you know, books and reading, I'm trying to find the information and, uh, learn how to do different things and, you know, trial and error and all that kind of stuff. So it was a real kind of hit and miss on the product sometimes, but it taught me a lot and, yeah. um, it gave me that opportunity to, to, uh, start creating myself. Do you think that's where there was some focus on the French style of sweets? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because before that, it was pretty much mostly restaurant. Restaurant. Desserts. Restaurant and sort of Aussie bakery kind of stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, your finger buns and your cupcakes and all those kind of, you know, 
Which is good to learn. Staples. Yeah, yeah. staples. Good to learn. Uh, but then, yeah, that, that kind of opened it up to that bit more boutique modern, contemporary stuff. Yeah. And from there, I kind of went over, like, started going overseas to do some short courses and some work in some places for two weeks for free sort of thing, you know, in my time when I take my holidays or whatever. In Europe. In Europe, yeah. So while I was, you know, in my time there, I started to do that a little bit and I started to learn more. And along the way, at this point in time, are you thinking, I could do this myself or on a, like a, um, on a business level or, or are you thinking, I'm just so focused on being a better chef? Yeah, it's I think it's more about being better chef, being able to have the freedom to do what you want completely. Yeah. You know, I think that's was where I kind of took me towards having my own place was, yeah, I mean, you go overseas and you see pastry chefs would have a place with their name or whatever on it and beautiful, like nice jewelry yeah. kind of cab, you know, nice fit outs and, yeah. you know, so, and that's what I kind of like, oh, we could do that, you know. So everywhere I kind of worked, I was trying to get them to like change the thing to say like, you know, if we do it like this, we can get more people to look at it yeah, better. You know what I mean. So okay, so your mind was getting closer to how a business, running that business rather than also making it better. Yeah, better. Yeah, it's pretty much there. And then I just went. You know what? I'm gonna. Well, some stuff happened, and I kind of left Sydney for about twelve months. Went up to Cairns, worked in a hotel up there. I always wanted to work in a hotel. Then I took this opportunity at the time. I just went. You know what? I need a break. Gonna get out of the big smoke for a bit. Yeah. So I went up to Cairns, worked up there for a bit. Um, and then that was good, nice place and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, hotel, a little bit of hierarchy and stuff. And I just couldn't, couldn't grow to where I thought I should be. Mm. Yeah. I thought I was working hard, pushing hard. And the person that had above me was just, I don't know. I felt like I was going backwards. Yeah. Yeah. In the sense of like where I was creatively and wanted to go and where they were. It was like stifled. Yeah, it was like 1980s, you know, like, but, but he got that job because he had more experience in hotels than me, right. you know, like it was a hierarchy thing. Um, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't about how creative you are or how good you work. It was more that the experience, you know, cause that job came up, the guy who was in that second position got fired and I was third. Right. And then I thought, well, I'll, here, I should get a crack at going in the second, Yeah, but I didn't get it. So. And they put this other guy in and I worked with him for a while just to see what it's like. And then I just said, no, I'm not going anywhere. You know, we're making, you know, meringues with dates in them and, you know, brownies for every function or whatever. It's pretty boring. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go backwards here. So, so I find that really interesting that what, how old are you here? 22, 23. And to, to be, to be that young and to go, oh, I'm not. It's not even the fact that you're not running the ship. It's just that it's just a creative thing, right? To go, I'm not getting that flexibility, the the, the creative flex yeah. that I that I so much desire. And I think that's you know that's an artist to go. I don't necessarily care for the money or for where I am geographically. It's just I just want to be able to create. And if I'm not going to be able to create, then it's killing me. Yeah, yeah. If you're not getting that fix, you know. It's this creative fix, yeah, right? Get it. To be able to express yourself through. Then what's the point? Through the You know what I mean? Mm. It's like uh, you could do it for a, a while, but if you're not getting that outlet, yeah, then you, you know, if that's what you're pushing for. Yeah, because you, you know, like I'm doing this stuff, and and yeah. you're getting the shits. Yeah, because you can't grow. It's it's more the fact you say they put someone above me that you can learn from and then inspires you. No problems. You're going to drive with them. You're going to go, yep, that's the best decision you made. 
this guy's amazing or whatever. But when that doesn't happen and you sort of start to reverse, you start to back draw, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, I've got to get out of here because my brain's going the other way. So then you head back to Sydney, uh, back to, yeah, New Sydney. Head back to Sydney, yeah. Yeah, I moved back to Sydney and then I uh, started baking from home. So I'd do the Fox markets, I did the local cafe uh, in Balmain and I was just supplying them for six months, I reckon. I was doing that in the markets. Out of the, out of, yeah. out of the house, just out of the home, little home ovens. Yeah. 90 centimetre, like a, like a large home oven, but like, you know. Not industrial. Not industrial. And uh, yeah, so I was just doing that. That was keeping me busy for a bit, but then I needed to do something else and. Are you putting your name on that or are you... At the markets, at yeah. the markets you were? Yeah. In the cafe, no. I think people, I think they're telling people I made it, but I didn't have my name on it. No, it was in their cafe. Yeah. Um, but at the markets, I was representing myself. So, um, yeah, so selling there and people asking, where's your shop? Where's your shop? Oh, you don't have a shop? Oh, you should go to shop. You should see Marvin. <laughs> and, then, yeah, and then I'm like, so then eventually, yeah, you know, a few people, a few friends got behind me at the time and just sort of kicked me in the butt and said, yeah, go do it. I found you a shop one, you know, and, uh, was that in Balmain? It's in Balmain. He goes, like, yeah, if you don't take it, I will, you know, and I was like, okay. And so anyway, I ended up doing it and then we set that up pretty cheap, you know, and mate helped me at the time, set it all up, fit it all out kind of, we, and then we just got cabinets and put them in and subleased the kitchen, um, put a little bit of equipment in it, what we needed to get by and start. And that's how we started. And at that stage, are you... On a business level, have you done a plan? Have you gone nothing? Just gone, the rent's cheap enough that I can probably clear it. And rent was cheap. It was 400 bucks. You know, in Balmain, that was cheap. Yeah, okay. Because where I was working before in Balmain, yeah. it was three, I think it was about three and a half grand, but it was a much bigger site. But sure. There's only 28 square meter site that I took That's for, need, for, right? a, for a retail. About 400 bucks is like nothing, at, you know, uh, at the time. Was that a three year? I can't remember. How, but it would have, yeah, it would have been about three years. Yeah. Three or five, I can't remember. Right. But it was like, fine. But it was like, yeah, this is, that's fine. I'm not, you know, it's not much to lose. And then the sublease, the kitchen, I think it was a couple hundred bucks a week as well. Oh, great. You know, and then they ended up going bust. They were a muffin company. It was just down the road in Roselle. So it was only a kilometer away from the shop. Okay. And then, yeah, just drive it down every morning. And yeah, and then they kind of went bust. And then I kind of took over the whole space. And then, yeah, kind of grew from there. Are you on retail there as well? As in, are you taking... Are you, the, are you point of sale or are you as well as cooking? In the afternoon I was. Okay. Yeah. So I'd work in the kitchen all morning. Yeah. With someone at the front. Someone else was running the front uh-huh. and I'd come and take over and I'd run to the, the class was closed. Days. Yeah, big days. Yeah. What are you talking like four till? I used to sleep in my car sometimes. Like I just, cause those days when I started that, then you, you know, you used to see things cause you're so tired right, or you sleep. Yeah. You start to lose like seeing things all the time. Like you're just so tired, but you just, but you just got these automatic kind of. What's driving it. you here, Zimbo? I think just just to be successful, have, achieve. I think it's more achievement. You know, I think the fact that I got my own place, and that now it's my opportunity to do what I do, and I want people to enjoy it. I think it's the the drive to make something great, and then get the response from people who enjoy it. You know, that gives you the energy and the drive and the adrenaline to keep doing it, to keep making something great, right? And 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 then you your interest, your passion, start looking at different products. You're like, oh yeah, I want to make that. You make it, put it in a shop, someone likes it, or they don't like it, that doesn't sell, whatever. You just chop and change. You didn't do a business plan. So at no point at this stage, have you? do you have a metric of what no. success looks like for you there? 
had no idea. So you're hallucinating, sleeping in your just car. Just a chef, man. Just get, uh, just hacking, like just grinding as hard as you can for the pure joy of getting people to enjoy your product. Of course, yeah. yeah. I had no idea. There's no, there's no regulations. You know, there's no nothing you have to do in this in that in this industry to to say that oh, well, I'm a this or I have this qualification or I have that. You can just go and open shop, right? You know, so it's like uh, there's no regulations to say oh you need this or do you, yeah, have, you need a call you need a three year thing or, or you're one of your partners a business um sure. degree or whatever. an MBA you, yeah. do you know what I mean like in some countries that's what you have to have yeah right you know to have certain businesses yeah um and just as long as you pay pay the lease yeah so for me it was like you know what that's what I wanted I wanted that freedom so I went and, I went and did it and just yeah and grinding away and then did you have other than just pure volume of sales, are there along the way in that early stages? Are you feeling the the momentum improve or increase? You, you feel that? Yep. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It's just like for the first year it was kind of like a slow a slow build. Yep. Yeah. A lot of locals, a lot of people, kind of the odd person from somewhere else would find it as a hidden gem, and then didn't really get much write up in that first year. Yeah. Did you try? Yeah, we tried, and a heap of our customers actually wrote to like newspapers and yeah. magazines and say, "Check this guy. You're writing about this guy. He's he's doing you know really good stuff and different stuff and really tasty and um which is I, I didn't do I didn't do any of it. What are you uh, selling at this point in time? Like what's your what's the oh, tarts, macarons, yeah. um, small range of chocolates we had it then, uh, and then cakes, yeah, okay. pretty much quiche, some pastries, yeah, and then probably yeah maybe after a year and a half we started doing a little bit of bread, okay. Just because customers were asking, oh, I wish you had, wish you had bread. Whole collection. Of yeah, just a little bit of convenience. And then we started, you know, over the next years, we started making more bread and stuff. So, um, but yeah, a little bit of everything. Okay. It was more like just different creativity and the risk. I think back then, it, you could say whatever you wanted, you know, like in cake names and stuff. And, you know, they were all funny and really edgy, you know. Pushing the batteries and stuff. couldn't do now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now you couldn't. Cancel culture is killing you. Back then like yeah. people didn't care people had to laugh they were like oh yeah the odd person would take it offensively yeah. here and there but you know one out of a hundred it's fine it's going to happen in everything yeah you know it doesn't matter what you do someone's going to be offended at something somewhere yeah and at any point so after the first couple of years are you thinking well this is just this is great are you in the are you in the moment there are you loving the grind or are you and never just, thought about it you just, just doing it just doing it just doing it just young and I was just doing it and you know at that stage, that's that was your not thinking about burnout, not thinking about what's happening in five. You don't have a five year goal. You had just had energy, you know. You but you always had like things you wanted to do in your head. But yeah, like at that time, you just work and just push and push and push and push. And it's not you're not driven at that stage by the business to make enough money so I can buy a Ferrari or anything. It's just purely, yeah, no. the love of the grind. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. Everyone wants to be, you know, have that. I mean, makers what they impact, they can. right? But it's just like at the time you don't really think about that stuff. You're just yeah. kind of making and cooking and you know, just doing it. On reflection, do you find that there's a a greater satisfaction when you're when there is a point of sale there, right? When someone walks into a sh shop and says, "I want that," and they get it, they can eat it, versus let's say a two hundred dessert order from in a in a you know, in a hotel or a conference and you don't get to see anyone enjoy it. Nah. Yeah. Is there, is there a lot more value? Oh, totally. You? Yeah. Especially when like you know, you got people come back regularly and they, you know, see them 
You know what I mean? They 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 kind of like the people who are spreading the word. Yeah, that's that's who spreads the word. It's those Just soldiers. People. Yeah, those people who come in the early days, especially um, regularly, and come and come and come. Yeah. And then that's something you see as you grow as well that those people will disappear slightly, because when you grow and you're less attentive to that, you know, and you're growing your thing and more yeah. people are coming, or whatever, those people will, you know, if you don't stay. That's one thing I definitely learned in the, there's not much you can do about it once it's done because you can't track half those people down because mm -hmm. I, you had no system to back then to sort of keep Corral them back. Yeah. <laughs> keep the data or whatever, you know? So, um, but yeah, that's what I noticed a lot too. Like as, as you, those troops that were spreading the word, you'll lose a lot of them because as you of, grow, as you grow, because you're spreading yourself thinner. Yeah. And if you don't have the right people in the front, you know? Once you lose some of those people that you had in the early days and, you know, they don't, not keeping the, the culture, the culture, they connect with those people, you know, it can be, yeah, they'll just, they kind of, uh, feather away. Do you think that's a hurdle that is near impossible to achieve? Like now, let's say if in the sense of you grow, you scale a business that is sort of built on, I mean, good quality products, but built on that feeling of that, oh, I get my macarons from Adriano personally or that vibe or that, that culture it's so hard to replicate as you scale very hard I don't necessarily have any I don't know what, what you can do that's uh, very hard especially in patisserie because it's such a it's such a craft right yeah it's not something that's just coming from a manufacturing line and in a box from people a robot come, yeah. people come and buy it right yeah it's it's like a, it's a product it's so a if you have multiple stores you know there's a lot of work going into getting all those stores kind of, so it's, it's hard to give that. Yeah. But you can do it. It's, you know, cause I think that if, you know, the right person you find that could make that, that atmosphere and that culture throughout the business, I never, I just never had that skill. Yeah. Do you know, it was something I never, yeah. I never had. So take me to the point where the, the, obviously the, the shop in Balmain is, is going well. When's the first thought of open up another one? The second year, I opened up another one the second year, but it wasn't like, uh, I opened up one probably about four stores down. It was a little arcade and I opened a chocolate cafe. Yeah, so I did breakfast, lunch and chocolates. Okay. Um, and yeah, I did that in 2008. Same, same branding? Called, uh, yeah, it was Zumbo Cafe Chocolat. Right. Um, and it was just in a little arcade um, at the back of it. Little weird sort of shaped space. Walk through, yeah. Yeah, like it was like a L. It was actually quite a difficult space to... To operate in in the end, like that's why I got out of it after two years. Okay. You know, I was in there for two years, uh, always full kind of thing, but yeah. just never really made anything because the operating costs of that was kind of like you can only fit I think twenty people maybe max at a time, and then to to serve those those twenty people, you needed X amount of people, so you could never make the money back because it was more of a sit down place. Yeah, yeah, you'd go there and have you know poached eggs or toast with ricotta and lardo or whatever you know the chef was making i had a chef there at the time a friend of mine and he was an amazing chef doing amazing uh breakfast and lunch the turnover just mitchell yeah he was you know he's got he's really he's big in sydney now and he's got new restaurant stuff and but he was just doing amazing stuff and then i was doing the dessert menu we had like uh, four or five plate of desserts so you could simple ones yeah you come there and have and then plus we had the chocolate cabinet and coffee and hot chocolates and um and all chocolate flavored macarons. Yeah. Right. So that was kind of like the, the vibe there. It was a cool place, you know, nice place to go, good food. But after that, we just kind of went, it's just hard to, 
it's a lot of work to navigate. And that's what I find a lot in this industry. It's, it's, a, it's getting that, that balance is hard, you know, because sometimes, yeah, you get people, but then it might not balance out to the amount of people you can have. Have you done that? Did you do that exercise before going in to go? No, if there's, <laughs> there's, tw there's, 20 there's 20 people in this room. They're spending average $18 a, a sit and they're all sitting down for 45 minutes to an hour that process you, you haven't done that exercise you've just gone this is fine this is close enough no, i wanted to do it so i did it that's amazing that's how it was when i was yeah back then i was just like you know what i want to try a cafe shoot from the hip let's do it and then what's rent cheap you know get me get me uh cl closer to you in those decisions are you thinking what's the worst that could happen how does didn't that even think that didn't even think that you weren't thinking what if this goes belly up or this isn't this makes a huge loss or, let's just let's just get it done yeah Especially at that early stage. Yeah. Just young and full of... Who are you leaning on at this point in your life at, to to talk about these things? It's no one really. You know, my sister was helping me in, in the in the office a bit. She still had another job at that stage. Um, and then she eventually came over and helped me a bit more. But uh, at that time, uh, she uh, works in um, Institute of Forensic Medicine. Okay. Yeah. But she was happy to come and help. Yeah. Sort of be that mentor or not mentor but just, I mean, she just helped out in the back you know just because i was in the kitchen all day because yeah. when you're in the kitchen all day you don't you don't have time to do all that stuff yeah you know you're just 12 15 hours in on the tools head down yeah just pushing to get the stuff out or doing the prep for the next day or the rest of the week you know it's 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 one of those things it's uh yeah you kind of i think in a in a, in a food business like this you kind of need someone that's yeah on that on that thing full time so and then after, so then when do you replicate the patisserie shop? So that's what, 2009, I went on MasterChef. So they're talking about that whole MasterChef. Nice. And Master, yeah. So like we kind of got our first article right up, I think maybe in 2008. Um, and then from that, it started to, you know, grow a bit. Just people from other places just come trying it out. Then the whole blogger revolution was happening, you know, at that time, 2008, I think 2007, 2008. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of bloggers are massive that have like, they all get together and come. Facebook was just starting as well. And Facebook, yeah. Facebook groups and stuff like that sort of stuff. So, you know, um, so we had a Facebook group. One of the bloggers started, it was like an appreciation society for Zumbo, you know, cause <laughs> they were, at the time there was nothing like yeah, it. Yeah, right? yeah. Now there's a lot more patisseries and, and bakeries and really good now, you know, ever like it's come out of its woodwork in the in the last 12, 15 years, mm -hmm. but back then it was nothing. There was only really basic stuff like a real Aussie bakery, a couple of French guys that maybe migrated here in the eighties, had a couple of things, you know what I mean? But real old school. So like what we were doing was kind of new age, you know, flavors, textures. And so they used to always come every week and we're always trying to do something new and play around with flavors and textures. And it was quite daring, you know, we had things like cauliflower meringue and like all this stuff back in 2008, 2009, you know, um, and they were love, like, they'd try it and some of them didn't like it. Some of them liked it, but we we're always pushing. Um, whereas now it's, I don't know. I don't know. In my head, I'm a bit oh, like, I don't do push as hard now with that stuff. I'm not as daring mm. because I kind of know that not, it's only a small percentage of people you, you that will eat that. And especially up here now where I'm on the coast, not many people will eat that because yeah. it's a bit too far. Um, uh, but in the city, you can go people, to more people. So the percentage is more people, even though it's the same, you know. Same percentage, Same greater percentage. number of people, but greater number of people. So you'll still sell a decent amount of them. Of cauliflower. So you get to, breaks. yeah, because which is after uh, growing up eating uh, crumbed 
fried cauliflower for my mum. Yeah. You know, but I mix it with like lemon. So I had it with lemon and yogurt mm -hmm. underneath. So the meringue was like kind of cauliflower mm -hmm. and crumbed. I crumbed the meringue and then we used to blowtorch that. So it was kind of like this, but you know, that's how your head was working. You know, yeah. it's like, oh yeah, it's I'm going to do it. Back then you just do it. Do it. If someone doesn't buy it, we don't do it again. And you're truly doing, this is coming from a place of pure creativity and satisfying that rather than a headline or rather than. Oh yeah. I, ahead of, I never, yeah, I didn't care about that. I didn't stuff. care about it. Just, it was just purely satisfying yourself. This is what fun. was in your head. This is fun. This is fun. Yeah. That's when it was fun. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of fun. So it was like, yeah, doing all this crazy stuff, playing with, you know, olives and olive oil and people were loving it, buying it, um, you know, all crazy tarts. Like people would, we had a tart called a night in the cross and it was, um, <laughs> it's, you know, rhubarb, rose, brulee, uh, compressed watermelon cubes, uh, fresh raspberries. And then on top, there was a little baggie with watermelon powder in it, like freeze-dried watermelon powder. People loved it. The, 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 the sort of um, elderly, like world-class, were buying it for their dinner parties. Wow. Because they loved that they, at the dinner party, there was a little bit of humor. Mm. And they bought something, but, you know, but it was delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that... It was a different era back then. I mean, it's, I mean, I'm sure that's still around, but there's yeah. just a lot of, there's a lot of mist in between it that, you know, if you did put that in your shop now. Yeah. Not as much fun. Yeah. It's not, you know what I mean? Like, not, yeah, back, back then, like you just doing it. Yeah. And people were like, love, you know, it was, they were catching on, they were like, enjoyed it. And that was my theory from when I started to have names that, that made people think about whether it was a moment in their life, yeah. whether it was wise that called that. You know, because that starts the excitement of the brain from the start, right? Rather than go, oh, I can have the chocolate mousse cake. You go home, what's this? Oh, yeah. chocolate mousse cake. Great. Great. This is, oh, that's this not bad. Is, this is a night of the cross. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I did that. It's like, did that. oh, did that. yeah, and everyone's going, oh, yeah, I get yeah. it, I get it. You know, like, so it starts. And they eat it, and it's amazing. It starts, you start, like, you know, you start getting everything ticking in your brain and your body, you know, because you're starting to think about this. Mm. That's when, and that's, that was my theory back then when I was younger. I was always thinking about, like these, like it's boring to buy, you know, something that's just plain Jane. Eh, it's all right. It'll work. You know, you can do that. But for me, it was like, yeah, let's take that next level. It's an experience, you know, and just give it, give it a bit of meaning, a bit of name, a bit of like depth. Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of that. And then MasterChef. MasterChef. Yeah. 2009. How did that happen? Got a call just from the shop saying, oh, someone called looking for a crook and bush from channel 10. Um, Left their number, I said, can you call them back as a you know, producer or whatever? So, yeah, 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 I'll give them this back. thinking that it's like a staff party or something? I'm just thinking, yeah, they just needed one for someone's birthday or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they said, so I call them. I was like, oh, yep. They told me you need a croc, you're looking for a croc and bush. Yeah. I said, you know, we can do it. And he started telling me about, oh, we've got this, we've got this challenge. Um, we've been trying to get it right. We can't get it right. And someone's dropped your name um, and said that, you know, you're the man to hopefully help us and get it across the line. I said, I'll give you, yeah, I'll help you. Yeah. And then, yeah, then, yeah. So then I, my task was to write the recipe, uh, organize the, what they needed for the challenge. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, obviously take a, a hero. Yeah. Peace. Drop it off at the studio in the morning. Um, and then that was pretty much all I had to do, but then it changed and they were like, oh, can you bring your chef whites just in case when you come to drop it off, we might try something. And then, yeah, that was, you're going to carry it out. And that's where it all started, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was that, that, that was the first season of the MasterChef. So they were trying things, you know, they, it wasn't a hit yet. No, yeah. I was right there. I was, I was one of those viewers. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it was, you, you know, it was a bit, I think it had five judges or whatever, it had the, uh, the host and the three judges or four judges. Yeah. So it was a lot of, 
playing around that season, trying to get what that show was going to be. And, and yeah, I was very lucky to become a part of that, you know, with the pressure test. And you were fine, obviously at that point, not to be part of it physically, uh, like a face of it. You would have oh, I would have just dropped it off. Here it is. You said, oh, I'll put your name in the credits for making it and that's yeah. it. Yeah. And you're like, that's fine. cool. Pay the bill. Yeah. I'm going back to, back to working. <laughs> and then all of a sudden. Well, not from that one. Yeah. So that one kind of like started ticking. And then I got another two op opportunities that season and then it went bang. You know, like I think after a couple of, then the queues started, you know, work, people wanting. So from the Crockenbush, yeah, it, it went crazy. People wanting Crockenbush or, and looking for how to, where to buy stuff to make Crockenbushes and stuff like that. But, um, as a business, it was, it bought a little bit, but not heaps, but uh, the next two eps, it went bang. The next season, like just queues were like 120 meters down the road. Wow. You could like we'll close in the shop at nine thirty in the morning, ten in the morning. It was just finished. We would just load the shop and then just bang, gone. And we couldn't we couldn't load it anymore. You know, like I couldn't. I didn't have a big enough team. I was trying to grow my team as quick as I could, but like you, you can't grow your team overnight. No, that's right. You know, so it's just like to keep that quality. Yeah, and it's just like oh, we, that's all we can do. We're pushing as much as we can to get into the shop. And are you buzzing at this point because of that creativity is getting tapped and the audience and the and the public's there and. They're loving that creativity that, that was so organic at the start. Are you, are you maintaining that edge or that fun to yeah. your process? Yeah, it, was, it was still fun at the time. Yeah. You know, it was busy. Mm. It was crazy. It was... I can't imagine the hallucinations. Yeah. And, I, and I, think, I think the fact that there was no structure made it easier at right. the time because, you know, if there was structure, there would have been more things, which should have been structure. I'm not saying that's, that's not a good thing, but I'm just saying at the time, easy to manage it was, it was just do it get it done and get it to the shop you're playing day by day almost yeah pretty much there's no it was just like there's a wildfire happening it was a wildfire happening yeah and we just gotta grab a bucket every day and hope that see how see how it goes that's it man just make as much as you can and then you know start like then we started wholesaling you know so we had about 15 wholesale customers after, like after this time people started wanting product and you know so we, we, we grabbed a good chunk of wholesale people and yeah, you know, so that started happening. So we, you know, got quite busy there. Off site now? That was still at that sub that wow. sublet kitchen. Kitchen. Yeah, but that'd gone, so we had the whole, whole site. Place, yeah. Um but yeah, still was You're not off site. It still wasn't big enough, you know, at the time, but we you know, got us through. Got us through and then we moved next door there was a building and then came up for lease and then we yeah, we took the lease on it and then we built a kitchen in there. Mm. Um and yeah. Then we moved in there Then we opened another little store in the corner there. I think that was, I'm trying to think what year it was. Maybe we went in there in 2010. Yeah, I think so. And then we, yeah. So then we had a little, uh, kitchen outlet yeah. there. So that was that second store. Um, and then, yeah, then a few stores after that. So talk to me about that, that, is that just trying to, the demand is there and you're like, I just need, we need to need more stores. To get more space, I think, to, to be able to do better product. And yeah, and then more stores came. Like, they didn't have to, but... No, they didn't have to. You took the offer. And that's... So talk to me about this. So the next store, I think, came... I think the next store was Manly. So you could have an option of staying in Balmain. So, I could have just stayed... Stay in Balmain and just keep selling out at 11 a.m. And just, just doing that until the, the line subsided. Yeah. If ever. Yeah. Could have just kept doing that. But at some point... In your mind, you thought, and I, I'm intrigued to know whether it's your mind or someone else's mind or who's in, who's involved here with this influence of decisions to go, we need to go somewhere else in Sydney. 
yeah, I think it's just your mind. You like, you like at first some plums places like, oh, I don't want to be there, you know, like in some places, but then you're like, well, we should try and grow and get more people and, um, expand the brand, you know, to, and I guess you're kind of reflecting off other brands or businesses you see, like when they start putting stores and you go, oh, that'd be, it'd be nicest to grow a brand to see something that you've grown in those kind of different positions and being able to have uh, access to a, a wider audience. Um, and then, yeah, but I think like the biggest mistake is that we didn't really plan that. So just as the offers came in, if it was, sounded good. You talked to me about the, I saw it, so for the people that don't understand this involved. Oh, so if a shopping center comes to Shopping center comes. Westfield comes to you, let's say. So yeah, says, or any of those shopping centers. I don't think I ever had one in Westfield. Oh, maybe in Melbourne I did. But they say. But if, if someone like that comes to you. Oh, they say, well, we, we like what you're doing. We really want to get you in the center. You know what I mean? And then it's just like. Here's an offer. Here's yeah. an offer. We'll, we'll fit it. We'll give you X amount to fit it out. We'll give you six months off the first lease. Probably not that much, but yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but we'll give you, yeah, maybe one a month rent for free yeah. or whatever. And then, um, yeah. And, and then you get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're like, oh, well. And the driver gonna... there again is like, honestly, do you think the driver there on reflection is simply to growing the brand and to impart that continuing to give that creativeness that you have to the audience or is it are you finding that as you get more notoriety more celebrity the numbers are getting bigger the bottom line's getting bigger is it that are you driven by that more or are you still do you still truly think going back is it's just that creative process and feeding the people i think it's just you as a person you need something new all the time to to drive you you know, like it's like, otherwise you get bored. Yeah, you're there, in the you're there at school being read to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Straight it's through. It's like, I need to challenge myself. It's like this feel of risk, you know, in the challenge. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're coming at you. Okay. And then you go, okay, well, I don't have money. All right. He's offering to fit out this store or she or whatever, whatever the thing is. So I'm like, well, that's a good way I can get to, you know, I'll do that at this stage because I didn't have much experience or knowledge of, you know how that, you know, obviously gets cut into your rent and all this kind of blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if it's not a good amount, then you're going to pay for it in the end, you know, after five years, it's up to increases. Yeah. You're going to be running a store that's probably unviable in a sense because it's gone up so, so, so high. So, you know, but at the time you're just like, okay, yeah, yeah, for sure. We could do that. And then you kind of do, you know, you work out, okay, I'd have to make X amount a week in your head, you know, and from, and from probably learning from the, the store that you have you go okay yeah, i think that's possible and where it's at there's more people over there than there is in balmain um but then it's like i guess when you look back on it all like the way you've set up the stores is too close yeah so you've you've so what you're saying is balmain was killing it but not necessarily a challenge anymore for you so you're looking for a greater challenge or more more challenges to come at you yeah, you're looking at the drive, like it's something like someone's there. I get, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's go into the city. Let's go, let's go and do that. Let's go and do it. And so then you're taking at that point offers from all these centers in Utah, in Sydney. Only one at a time. Yeah. One at a time. Maybe one a year. It was kind of like, oh, maybe wasn't, it weren't like going crazy. Sure. You know, it took us 12 years to get 12 stores. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know I mean, like, but we didn't, yeah, probably maybe in some years there was two stores, but sure. But yeah, it wasn't like a, it was a fast growth in, in, in a lot of brands eyes but for some brands it would have been nothing you know some people opening 60 stores a year yeah okay. but i mean like for us as a little small business it was 
it was decent. Um, and, and then at what point did the thought come into your mind? Maybe these are too close to each other or maybe I've, I've not till the end. Yeah. Not, maybe I've gone too deep here. Yeah. Not till the end. Not till like it was. So you are, part. you are riding full optimism. Yeah. I just thought, you know, like you could, why not? You know, why couldn't you do it? Why can't people come, you know, like this circular keys got a massive influx of tourists and people, you know, why can't I, have, why couldn't it work there and have one then at QVB, you know, which was a great store. Uh, and yeah, so that was in my head. Like I thought city, you got to have a few, you know, you should be able to, cause there's that many people. Well, there's more people, there's more people in the buildings, uh, more tourists and tourist influx there, seeing the harbor and all that sort of stuff. So you sort of like going, well, there should be more, but there's a lot of different things at play in there as well. Like circular key was under construction for two years as when we opened, it was under construction. Um, and then like literally within that six months across the front of the store, like it, then it was all construction, redoing all that pathway that pathway all that area um and then that has a little bit of an effect because that that end of the city is kind of like not as vibrant as it was mm. so you know that's one little thing that's probably not the reason why it didn't do what it needed to but it was you know that's probably one of the effects in some of the things and i had that same effect in south yarra and you know i had a mass mad store there it was cranking and then as soon as they started construction in that street of other apartment buildings which was probably about six of them. So every, every couple of years, it was just one, bang, another one, another one. Trucks, dust, roadblocks, you know, everything. And your business just dies. No one wants to go down there. Yeah, because everything it used to be a thriving little area. People coming down there. Next door, we had an amazing coffee shop that used to uh, be next door to us. So it was always pumping. And then we'd have our patisserie next door and it was pumping. And then slowly people stopped coming because of all those think find, there's better places to go and different place yeah, yeah. Go sit somewhere else without a without a crane or a reversing truck or, or dirt in the air yeah, or dust yeah. you know so like all those little things play big effects in some stores yeah. and um, are you as i said like are you in this time over those 12 years have you got a team around you to yeah. talk about that in the end i did yeah, yeah okay yeah, it took yeah. me a while though yeah like i mean i've always had a team around me but i probably didn't have uh, the you know like the sort of some of those key people to sit me down and go, nope, you can't do this. We don't have, you know what I mean? It wasn't like, there was always just someone telling me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. borrow more money or yes, whatever. Man. Yeah, yes, yeah, you know, too many yes men, mm -hmm. just people, um, you know, and then maybe that got into my head too much and then sort of, you know, even if someone did tell you a little thing or it probably wasn't that person, you, you're not listening to it, you probably wouldn't hear it. Yeah. Are you traveling a lot in that time between Sydney and Melbourne? When I opened in Melbourne? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come back and forth every week. Yeah. Yeah. Stayed in Melbourne for a couple of months when it opened. You know, it was uh, insane. Yeah. When we opened there, it was crazy. Gangbusters. And it's like one of those things you see on TV, you know, like people just keep down this for weeks. Just, you know, when you open a new brand in a new city. Yeah. Sure. It's like those things. It's like, guys, that's, this is nuts. This is it. And then when was the first, talk to me about that element of that, well, that first period of time where you're like, oh, this is, this is now going not the way that I wanted to go. Oh, I can't remember what year, but yeah, I got to put a general manager on, try and just straighten it all out because it was too much for me. You know, I was traveling and creative and doing this and doing that. And so I thought, you know, we're still all right, doing everything right. I said, we need to... Someone to manage it. Just to manage it. Let's take us to that next level. Um, and then, it, yeah, just from then it kind of... Then I took a 
uh, site, which was next to the most South Yarristal on the, on the other side of it. Uh, it was a big space was sitting there and I thought, oh, maybe I'll give it a crack. I always want to do a high tea room. And I thought, oh, a high tea room off the back of the shop would be great. You know, people can go and have high tea, um, and sit there and experience it. But that just, yeah, turned into a bleeder. It was just, uh, just high overheads only really operate on the weekends you know people were only really coming out on the weekends for high tea uh and then the weekdays it was just like zip you know like a couple hundred bucks but you had all these people because it's a big site it was 400 square meter site yeah um and then it just didn't work and then it ended up just bleeding and then and then it was separate to zumbo but then zumbo was having to help it stay alive <laughs> and then it put zumbo into problems you know and then it all just it was like a sword that just went straight through it. Yeah, right. It's just, you know, one mistake, bang. Uh, and if you don't have that right structure from the start, like I said, when I was just gunning and running, yeah, then there's, you know what I mean? Even though at the end, uh, even though over the last five, six years of your business, you're, you're trying to straighten it, make that all like, but there's just too much damage done in early days. It's hard to bring it back. And then if like, if you have too many yes people around you, what are you doing? You're just making debt. So... So your Adrian Azumbo had, you know, you had 12 stores internationally well-known, certainly in Australia. I know, I know you're big um, overseas now, but back then you're probably more big nationally. Yeah, more big nationally. Um, and then probably just, you know, like India and Asia and stuff like that where, where MasterChef, MasterChef was huge. Yeah. Um, then you, you were kind of like on that because you did so many episodes and they were massive. They'd, so they'd know you and stuff. Yeah, but like not really US and stuff. And like what, what, point, what point, what when, when point, when do you put your hand up and go, this is, this is done, I'm, I'm out? Well, I tried everything. You know, I pushed everything, tried every different way, tried to get out of leases. You know, I think I got out of one. The rest wouldn't let me let me go. Even they were just telling them the honest truth and just they just don't let you go. Hold you by the neck against the wall, and then they, and then you go when you go to administration, they'll look at you like you're, like why? And I was like, well, you wouldn't let me go. If you had to let me go, you know, well, I could have cut my 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 overheads down. You know, I mean, got rid of the shrapnel. I could have sold my the, because we we owned it. Well, the bank owned it, but the the kitchen. Then 2014, we moved to Lane Cove, set up a big kitchen that feed all these stores and then the, the, the goal was to, to grow it bigger nationally you know what I mean be able to send some of the base product out and we had that that sort of groundwork there um, and then if we could have sold that then that would have cleared most of the debt get rid of all that, that heavy overhanging shit and um, but they didn't oh, you just couldn't man everything you wanted to happen that you needed to happen just doesn't happen in that time yeah do you know what I mean like you're like oh it's like kicking a dog when it's down like just just like, just listen to me. Mm. I'm telling you what I got to do. You know, it's like, no. Oh, How does that talk to that, to talk to this person? Talk, and it's to get nowhere. And they're all just like. How are you internally at that point when shit's going wrong at that point in your life? Just tired. It's exhausted. Yeah. yeah. Exhausted. Full of adrenaline to try and make it work. Because I really believed I could have. Yeah. Um, you know, in a way, like there was just ways I could see it. But, you know, then everyone's just starting to cut out as well you know like the bank will cut out because they don't want to be in the, the media or anything they they start to then pull back 
So, you know, it's like they'll give you X amount to this point mm -hmm. and then once there's a sign of falling the other way, mm -hmm. then they'll pull out because their risk is too high, mm -hmm. you know? So the bank will sort of cut their ties to that point. Then they'll start trying to get out of it. You know, what can we get rid of or whatever, blah, blah, blah to, you know? So then you're like trying to balance all that ATO, you know, all these people. How much stress is in that environment versus when it was, let's say early days, or oh, let's say. Uh, when Balmain was going at its height, when you weren't really prepared for that. Oh, there, was, there was no stress in it. It was just excitement. It was just fun. It was just fun. It was excitement. You know, everyone's pumped. Yeah. It's like, even though you're working big hours and, and uh, long days and whatnot, and it was pretty chaotic, but mm. it was, you know, in the end, it was one store. We're making product. We're trying to change it up as we're going, and, and uh, that was fun. But at the end there, like, yeah. I mean, then you got all your staff. You're trying to keep motivated, you know, to try and say, like, you know, get through it because what do you do you know oh no we, it's gonna go down it's, it's gonna go and everyone will give up yeah so you gotta try and keep the positivity there keep pushing keep pushing keep pushing and then you're just trying to get product sometimes you know because people will cut you and then you know like all these things it's just like a uh a, a bloody sounds like a nightmare it's a nightmare yeah and then you just go you know what are you going are you going home at that point where you're still trying to fight looking yourself into the mirror and you just what are you talking? What are you saying to yourself? Are you trying to give yourself a pep talk? Are you? No, I was, I was still driven. I was driven that I could beat, like I could do it. You know, I've always been like that when I'm in a situation. I'll you back yourself. Well, I'll back myself to try to get myself out. It's literally when after that, then it's like, well, what do you do? You still got that, that natural adrenaline of like, this is my baby. I got to do it. I got to do it. I can't let all this go. You know, worked hard, build this or whatever. You know, it's all here. Just need somebody to believe in it at that time, you know, but. I mean, there's people who come and try and take it over or whatever, but you're like, well, nah, I'd rather let it, let it go than, than, uh, be a 1% owner or, mm. do you know what I mean? And stuck here, like slugging it away for whatever to watch what the brand wilter away probably, you know, cause in the end, the brand's not much without me to a point, you know, and it's still a name it can still grow. The name's there. Mm. It doesn't need me fully in a way, but, but to some point it still needs you to be a part of it because needs to succeed before it can let you go. Yep. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. So they as a would brand. have needed you to rebuild it as a brand mm. to get it to a point where then they could let you go. But, you know, yeah, you weren't prepared to do that. Nah, I was exhausted. I was tired. You know, it was just like, yeah, you know, I was just like, you know what? Oh, and I tried it. I went, looked at every avenue. I'd found someone to possibly buy the, the site, the building, and then sublease it, uh, sublease it back to us um and so forth but then i weighed it all up went to the administrators they said you can have the stores back if you pay all the bank guarantees new bank guarantees and i weighed all that up and i was like you know what i'd be in the same hole mm. and then covid would have hit a year later uh and i would have been in that same hole i would have been worse probably because i would have just put everything back on the line yeah to hit another wall you know 12 stores trying to run right. 12 stores for two years of locked lockdown been would have been a bigger disaster yeah so i don't know with our, i mean with no disrespect to anyone that lost stuff in there i mean it was kind of like someone got me out of there before it even the tidal wave came yeah you know like and then and then i don't know things probably would have been worth less for in the i mean you know in the administration they sold the building i mean it didn't clear everyone it cleared the bank and stuff and all that kind of things and you know because i had family that kind of put their places up for a guarantee yeah, so that was that was my biggest number one thing is obviously you know 
uh, a lot of people are losing, but like, uh, I couldn't like those people that my parents didn't have anything to do with the business in a way. If I had to have lost the house, like it would have been, you know, I don't know. That would have been the hardest thing, I think. So I fought hard to save that, to try and at least get something and then try and get what I could, you know, we traded for a bit, six months or something. Then, yeah, then I just said like, I don't have the energy to do it and all the funds. You traded? The administrators traded for six months. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. It was just, that was it. That was it. And are you at that point once, once it's all done, are you spending, so you spent some time not creating? No, oh, I didn't create for years. Yeah. Well, we're talking now, what, three or four years? Three years. Three years, yeah. I had ideas in my head, but yeah. didn't want to. I didn't have the energy to want to do anything with it. Wow. So you'd been all the way from when you were 14, putting different icing on the finger buns at IGA with your parents' shop to that point oh, yeah. in creating every day and then not for two or three years. Oh yeah. It was, it was yeah. Proper burnt. Just burnt out. Yeah. Exhausted, you know, from people and debt and all that stuff. And then all the people, you know, I mean, the hardest thing is a lot of the creditors who support you or whatnot. And then, you know, they lose a chunk, like a lot, you know, um, yeah, I mean, it happens a lot in, a lot of people go down every year, but you know, when the, the people you know and you know you're working with all the time, it's. I mean, I don't know what you want, you want to say. I'm just I just kind of go quiet. You know, I don't know what you want me to say. I mean, I apologize, but yeah, you know, that's not going to really bring back anything. Sure, you know what I mean. It's just words. So, you know, that's and that's where it comes to. You know, you kind of you walk away with that. You didn't haven't you didn't get to where you wanted to get just to try and keep everyone happy and mm. and that's it. How does it sit upon reflection to you now? That whole experience. Oh, it's still there. It's it's a uh, it's fear. I think now even with this new business, like I don't want to do half the things. Like I get to a point and I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I don't want to take that that risk. I'd rather I'd rather let it go. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm just like I'll get it to a point if the business can't. Uh, we need to if we need to apply more risk. You're not going to do that. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's a different world out there now. Though, you know, post COVID, it's more expensive. It's, you're a diff, but you, you'd be a different person. And I'm a different person too. And I look at all those things and I think, well, you know, if we can't, if a business can't like cover itself and it needs to go, I don't know, that's what I think now. Yeah. And, and in the last one, I'd put all my money in it, like everything, like everything I was earning on the site. I was throwing it in. I was throwing it in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll pay for it. I'll, let's get that, that and this. And as much as we had heaps of loans as well, but I was also putting all my money in. Yeah. To... Because it was my baby. I'm going to grow this thing. I'm going to make this national, you know, maybe even global one day. Yeah. You know, so I was like, I'm just going to, I'm just investing. We're going to do it. Yeah. So, but then, yeah, at the end, when you walk away with nothing and then anything you have, you kind of got to sell it anyway. On my house and all that shit. It's just like, what's the point? So yeah. At the time, it was, you know, I don't regret doing it. I did it because I wanted to. But yeah, now when I look at it in the second phase, I'm like, I put X amount in at the start and that's it. Yeah. I'm not going to chuck any more in it. You know what I mean? For now, you know, until I believe in it again, you know? So. Believe in that risk. Well, I, I believe in the business, but I just, you know, the risk and from where I'm at in life, I mean, I'm not a, you know, I don't earn that much money and I don't, you know what I mean? So if I had, if I had that much coin spare, yeah, okay, you do it, right? You know, if you, if it works out in how much you have to, the amount you need to risk, 
mean, you'd do it, but yeah. No, nah, I always said someone else would do it. If that ever came, you know, probably people out there more powerful than me, more experience, probably, you know, better, you know, in that field, yeah. you know, where I'm probably better in what I do in thinking and coming up with ideas and concepts and stuff like that. And that's my strength. I think I just got to stick to it. Yeah. So after, so what changed between after being, not having created for a number of years, you move up to, to, to the Sunshine Coast. What changed for you to go, I actually start, I want to start because you now have a shop at Noosa, Zumbo Tess, and that's a point of sale store. That's your Balmain shop, essentially. Yeah, it's kind of like Balmain, yeah. And yeah. you're back version two, almost, with that experience. So what changed for you to go, actually, I want to put the toe back in the water and... Just need a job, to be honest. <laughs> you stack shelves, you got that experience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could stack shelves, but I, I, you know, I needed something that was... You still wanted to... Kept tell. me driven. I still love it. Like, I still love doing what I do and creativity, the ideas, the, you know, giving a good product and I love all that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the initial thing was like, I needed to, I needed to get that adrenaline back, you know, and, uh, this is up here on the coast. There's not many places that you can work in my field. Correct. To, to get that, yeah. you know, like it's, it's not a lot, Creative. there's not, not, not a, not a whole lot, you know, it's very, very few and a lot of them are probably small and, 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 um, you know, you probably wouldn't, yeah, I don't need mine. So then it came to mind, I'll just do something. Uh, myself again, yeah. you know what I mean? That's why it's kind of like just a little test kitchen. Um, and then I, I guess the goal was just to see where it goes, see what what work I can uh, drum from it, you know, whether it's doing testing for some other brand or whether it's feeding that, that little small outlet there, you know what I mean? And it's kind of flexible yeah. in a way. You know, I think it's, uh, that's for me, that's how I kind of thought about it, just to give myself a, a place to do something and um, and be able to, you know, support myself and, and flex that creativity back yeah 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 i got the creativity back yeah yeah in a sense i think it's just hard sometimes now it's just the time to do it because we're so small it's uh when you're there it's, you kind of you kind of work into just fill or supply the shop so because we're small like now i need to get it to a point where i can be there still but step back where i'm just the you know calling the shot sort of thing or some even someone is running a day to day in the kitchen and I'm just kind of you know, thinking about the next or coming up with the next kind of playing around to get it right. What's coming up at the moment, just yeah, just going with the flow. Do you think there'll be a night on Hastings Street? Uh dessert. <laughs> night on Hastings Street. <laughs> yeah. Oh the rolling rock or something. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um well I think yeah, as I said, I think it's an amazing story because not many people whether you can accept this or not, or appreciate this or not, but not many people have gone through what you've gone through in life, what life's thrown at you, right? Or at least what you've experienced to go from finding your passion so early in life and going, that's the shit that I want to do to creating a store from without any sort of business acumen or experience for that store to be really successful because of how you do things become uh, quite famous in that industry or not even in that industry in just general life to then expand your brand to then it all come crashing down to then starting to find that again in that your that creative spark and along the way uh finding that i guess that happiness or that yeah that spark within you again is pretty unique to have that roller coaster. 
Oh yeah, it teaches you a lot, like how you look at things, and it makes you a different person for sure. You know, I'm definitely not that same fun person I was when I was, you know, less fun. You think? Oh, I still got the fun in me. Yeah, yeah, but I think there's a lot of like scars and things in, uh, sort of in the way that get in the way sometimes, and sometimes you know, still things. You, I mean, it'll take time to work through in the in the, the that little thing that clicks in your head from the experience or or whatnot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I don't show much emotion. I'm very like unemotional person in a sense of how I show it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, but you know, I'm always, you know, deep down, I'm just, it's always like a push day to day. You know, I'm definitely a lot more, I'm pushing myself a lot more now mm -hmm. to try and get somewhere than I probably would have when I was younger. Right. I mean, I'm older now. That's of course it's, it's but uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes, I guess. You know what I mean? So with all that experience and where we sit now, how do you define for you success and happiness? It's two different types. Success for me is, I think it's a, it's a personal thing. You know, like everyone's going to see what success is different to themselves. For me, I've never succeeded. I've achieved a lot. Yeah. Out there, I've done a lot, ticked a lot of boxes, you know, books, TV, shops, um, festivals, travels, you know, great achievements and amazing. But for me, I, I still haven't, I feel, I feel like in myself, I still haven't succeeded, you know, because I haven't achieved any of the things that I really wanted to achieve and that's you know whatever it's growing that brand to where you see it you know where it's the stores uh selling merchandise selling bakeware selling you know um having retail products in supermarkets that that are targeted at at um at you know obviously that dessert space and stuff like that you know and homewares I mean it's endless what you can do with it you know what I mean that's just whether you know so in my head I've kind of haven't gotten anywhere with a lot of those things it's just gone around in circles you know and all the sort of projects i did over the years just welted away just lose a lot of money you know whether it's an app or you know back in the day i was playing around with a game and drop so much money trying to make this thing happen because it's a vision in your head and you think like kids are gonna love it this, this you know and then it falls away because maybe that game company i think the game company it went bust you know what i mean so like then you lose bit like what I, from me and other people you know so yeah. you know i know the feeling in that sense because you know i dropped a lot of coin into that yeah um and then yeah so all these little things so in my head i, was, I haven't achieved it, those things that i want to achieve so i haven't succeeded in myself but i have achieved a lot of things yeah that have come my way yeah. because of the job and the skill that i've put out there um so yeah you know for me that's where i sort of sit in my head um and i just yeah still still driven to get somewhere something i've still got all those ideas it's just whether they're ever going to go anywhere but it's just, you take that day by day yeah you just never know it might might not if not but you know i'm content if not you know like i said i've achieved a lot like i can't sit there and go i haven't done it don't think i've got to get out there and yeah you know go and chase something i got i got like so much stuff that i've like kind of done you know and uh you know over those years as well as running the business uh you know doing all those things like a just non-stop work yeah and I think still, I'm still kind of recovering in a way. I'm not, 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 I'm not thinking about it, but I think my body and my, myself still kind of like, you know, I used to come home and jump, pack my bag and go somewhere else and doing work stuff and creating and like, it was just endless. So now I'm a bit more, a bit more chill. Mine's still going like a hundred miles an hour, but you're just not doing as many things. Yeah. You know what I mean? And you think that's because of that? processing that trauma or processing that experience yeah and i think i've stopped chasing a lot of it mm. you know what i mean i think like i'm more now if it comes my way 
or if I meet that person that has that same click and connect, mm -hmm. it, it possibly could go somewhere. You know what I mean? And if that, if that person has that same vision and, and you, you know, kind of connect on that level, then great. Uh, but to chase it fully, like it's, you know, in the end, a lot of time you're just going to burn money. Mm. Sometimes, sometimes you might get somewhere, but the risk on that, it's too much. It's far greater than, than, you know, if someone naturally has an interest. Sure. I don't know. That's how I kind of am. Some people might think, oh, if you don't go out and get it, it won't happen. But, you know, sometimes it's just fate and destiny. I don't know, like it's a, uh, might sound a bit trippy, but, um, you know, that's, if you're out there and you're talking to people and you're still believing what you do, that, that can still happen. That yeah. can happen. You know, if, if, yeah, if sitting at home sleeping and, and not doing anything, yeah. yeah, of course, you know, I'm, but I'm still out there doing stuff and I'm yeah. still out there thing. I'm just not chasing. I'm not calling someone going, oh, I really want to be on this thing. Yeah. 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 When you force it, sometimes it's just not. Yeah. yeah. So that's where I'm kind of at in life. Um, uh, lucky to live up here. Do you know, like it's a beautiful place for great people and, and, yeah. uh, you know, there's a lot of other amazing people up here like yourself, you know, it's like, it's a good place just to be around. And, um, you know, like I said, if I, I only ever kept doing this or even if I, I get a job in a supermarket, like I said before, you're still going to be, as long as you're paying the bills, you're going to be happy, man. Yeah. You know, and that is, that is the next, that's the next idea is what's, what does happiness look for you now and into the future? Yeah. I think it's, you know, just being able to live in your own mind and, and, even just, uh, think that you can do some of the things in, in your head, you know, I think that brings you a lot of, um, joy, you know, even if it's just, you've thought it, you've written it down, you've sketched it out, it's sitting on your wall. Sometimes just getting it out of your body yeah, is half the amount of happiness. It's like, oh, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's cool. That's a mad idea. Yeah. I had that idea. And even if you just share it with two people that are close to you and they're like, oh man, that's, that's awesome. Awesome. Do you know what I mean? That's just, sometimes that's just enough. Yeah. That's the creative process. Do you know what I mean? Needed, yeah. Even if it doesn't go anywhere or if it doesn't happen or, you know, I mean, there's so many things in my head that like, it's just, yeah, it's crazy how many things I want to do yeah. and I have ideas for, but sometimes I don't know how to extract it, put it down and give it to somebody or, or to put, you know I mean? Sometimes it's like those kind of like, maybe I will figure it out one day, but sometimes I sit in front of a computer or things like that. And like, I, I, I mean, I can only type one or two fingers. So then I get bored and then I get tired and frustrated yep. and then I just go, yeah, no, I'm not going to leave that for now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like... So then I just kind of like start thinking about other things. It'll come back in my head. All right. Last couple of questions. Must read book. Well, I don't read novels or anything, but uh, cookbooks at the moment I'm reading. Um, I love that you read cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading um, Saisons, which I mean, just means seasons in French, but um, by Yann Cuvier. Uh, Vincent Galais, anyway. You see, yeah, okay. If you Google it, you'll you see. Most important person in your life. Oh, definitely my whole family, but mum and, and my wife, yeah. Yeah, mum was like, you know, or mum and dad, but like mum's, you know, always been, just, I wouldn't be here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, all the things that she supported me in and just been there. Uh, my whole family though, they've all been there throughout it, but definitely uh, my mum and my wife just putting up with all the shit and kids just living through it all, you know? I think yeah. that's the half the, half the thing, you know, like even, yeah, just when you're all not there and they just, you know, they're just there. Like they don't make you feel like, uh, you're nobody or nothing or, or they're like, oh, why aren't you, or you're mute or you do this or you're that or whatever. You know, sometimes you just, you just closed off and you just, you know what I mean? Like it's just, uh, they're still there. They're still there. Do you know what I mean? Unconditionally. Unconditionally just there. You know, when you're just like, I can't do this. I don't have the money. I don't spend this or whatever. I can't go there. can't travel. can't take your holidays. I can't, they're still there. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like all those kind of things. 
all that. And yeah, so, you know, I'd just say they're probably the most important people in my life. One piece of advice from your experience for success and happiness. Is just set yourself small goals. I think, you know, I think for me, it's like, yeah, you got to dream. I think everyone needs to dream big, you know, because obviously you got to stretch far to, to achieve uh, something. And if you, you don't stretch far enough, you're not really going to go anywhere. Uh, but, you know, if you, if you take it in small steps, you know, I think you can succeed a lot more and, um, and, so and breaking, breaking that down, just breaking your success up. You know, what is it? Yeah. What is success to you? You know, for me, like I said before, it's like, it's, it was building the, this and that and making things in my head come to life. And, you know, along that way, trying to achieve that, I've achieved a lot mm. on the side, but it's, it's never searching, never got that end, end goal of success, right? Yeah. I was still trying to reach for it and maybe I'll never get it because maybe I'll keep setting it further away. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't, and just don't, don't live your life by it. You know, I think it's uh, super important that you don't sit there and say to yourself, I'm, you know, I'm not successful. Like I don't say I'm not successful. I just say I haven't succeeded in what I want to succeed in. Yeah. I've achieved a lot, but like, so if you're say to yourself, like, yeah, you know, that you believe in yourself, um, and that success isn't something to drive your life by. Do you know what I mean? Because it's different to everyone. Um, and happiness, just do what you love. You know, I think you do what you love, uh, do your things. Like, you know, for me, I'm like my days off, I get bubble tea every morning. It's, but it's just the best thing. Like it's something that makes my day then just like, like, and everyone will be different. Yeah, sure. You know, everyone's different, whether they're taking a dog for a walk, like just do those things that make you happy. Make time for it, you know, um, because I de like I'm definitely in my young years, I didn't do that. I just worked, I burnt, I worked, I worked, I worked. And I don't regret it. Like I did it because I wanted to. But like, I think now looking back, you need that little bit of, um, if you just had some bubble tea. <laughs> if I just had some bubble tea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I had Total. access to it, you know, even it's like, yeah, sit, go and get it, sit down for an hour. Just drink just it. Be. It's just like, oh, that's my vice. That's my vice right now. Yeah. And it'll change probably. Sure. Yeah, yeah. You know, like it changes all the time, but like, just, you know, stick to your vices, stick to those things that make you feel happy. Uh, surround yourself with great people because you really need people around you. You know, I think people, as much as sometimes you want to be alone, like but you need to have people sometimes because they, they just really, you know, make it a lot easier and better and support you. Because if you know you lock yourself away, people will just go the other way as well, you know? So uh, I think, yeah. And just, yeah, find a place that makes you happy. You know? That's why I say don't, I think, uh, for a lot of people, uh, happiness is something that they, they're seeing especially now with a lot of social media and a lot of, uh, digital, you know, whatever we can access mm. happiness sometimes isn't real for what we're seeing. Do you know what I mean? It's what you think you need to be sure, because of what you're seeing. Yeah. So I think it's about defining that to yourself. I mean, that's a big thing. Figuring it out. Figuring out Before what you. is your real happiness, yeah. you know, not what somebody else thinks you should look like to be happy or, you know, or you are. Oh, that's my happiness because I, I, I like what she's wearing. Like, yeah, you know, like I'm yeah. getting a bubble tea tomorrow because that'll make me happy because you're that makes you happy. Exactly. Yeah. Don't be like Don't that. Be that know, I think you got to be, you know, understand who you are, what you like, mm -hmm. believe in yourself, you know, all those things, you know, like that, your, your, your personality, your uniqueness of whatever that happiness is, is priceless. That's beautiful. You know, that's beautiful, man. Finally, one guest famous or otherwise you think we should have on the show. Oh, shoot. However high. You want? We're going to run a list. <laughs> or he, who, who you'd like us to, yeah, to sit down with? Oh, so it has to be someone that can sit in here. No, no, no. We can do it over Zoom. Oh yeah, John or, Snow. You know, go, John Snow. Oh, from 
um, um, from um, Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what his real name is. No, no, no sure. We'll find out <laughs> before we reach out. But I, I like him, man. He's so like right. he's great. The King of the North. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, fine. Well, you know, the King of the North. On. I don't know whether the budget will allow us to fly him in. No, but you just talk Zoom. But we can go Zoom. If you get him on, that'd be. Yeah. I don't know. I just like him. Right. He uh, he's another one of my vices. Like I just like watching that. Sure. Like just watching, you know, he's a yeah, inspirational man for what he's done. Well, well, I know it's only a show, but I'll let fun. you. I'll send you a text. Yeah, that's one thing that after after what's happened, I've really gotten the TV shows and yeah. and feeling like I'm in the show with them, like and just feeling their whatever if they're powerful or if they're yeah. whatever they're inspirational or whatever yeah you know i think of it's just finding those shows yeah that well. have that yeah they just you just kind of get in it it's like really you know, like you get kind of emotional in the moment and just lift you up yeah you start to feel like yeah. yeah you know i never had that before yeah sure I never used to like see that in a tv show or, or i never used to watch that many tv shows to be able to get into that so oh, awesome yeah well I'll, I'll send you a text once we're lining up to interview <laughs> <laughs> the king, of, was the king of the north. King of the north. King of the north. All right, Adriana Zumbo. It's been a real treat to have you in, and um, I appreciate your time, dude. Thanks a lot. Cheers, man. Thanks, Richard. Well, that was Zumbo. Such a privilege to sit down with him, and I thank him so much for his time and patience to be able to talk us through his life and his experiences on the Success Times Happiness podcast. On a personal note, it's been truly amazing to see this whole thing go live and for Cody and I to continue uh, recording and putting out episodes and to see uh, everyone or to see the people that have listened to them, uh, listen to them and provide some great feedback. So all I encourage you guys, the early adopters is to tag us on whatever social platform that you are on and um, let us know you're listening to it. Let people in your networks know that you're listening to us. And maybe give us a tag and give us a suggestion as to who you think we should get on next as a guest. So until next time, thank you very much for listening and peace out.